Oh, we made it, ladies and gentlemen. We made it to the end of 2022. It's been a year. 365 long, interesting days, and we're here today to present the 2022 Honor Roll Awards. Get a little fun. Dun, 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 dun. Like get a little serious, uh, but mostly fun because we just need to go over the awards that need to be handed out for just a a wild year. I I think years have just kind of progressively. I think 2020 was probably like the wildest shit of year, and then we seem to have maybe ratcheted things down a little bit. But it's interesting that. It's almost like if one thing's not going bad, there's just another thing that pops up, or one thing is going. Something boring. has to fill the the void. Yeah, well, shit. It's it's like trying to fill up a 24 hour news cycle. There's just always something goofy happening. I'm trying to get. Some, I don't have to really face the board this one. I can no. actually just face and talk to you. Oh, we can do a little this kickback this new. time. So everybody, go put on your your Sunday best. Uh, throw on a, a nice dress, man or woman. Going to be tuxedo. passing out some some rolling papers. Yep. Yeah. This is a, a cap and a, gown time. If you don't get high during our episodes, this might be the one. Well, here's the thing too, is I know a lot of this stuff isn't going to be the most historically relevant when we look back at 2022. But here's the thing, we're looking back at not so much ancient history, but very recent history to kind of take a light-hearted not completely serious look at basically the last year. Some of this stuff is serious, but we had a couple of rules because stuff would have probably gone off the rails and we would have just been hard to get back on track. So we're not going after, we're not talking politics, right? No. We're leaving no, that I, out of it. So it's fun. So yeah, there, there's enough that happens around the world. That's kind of goofy and fun and exciting. I, I mean, there's going to be some stuff that's sort of, political but it's just kind of quasi stuff that is either great or funny so <coughs> and i will say this looking over the list yes some of this stuff does cover different areas of the world but i feel like the crazier shit happens in our fucking backyard do i have to stick my finger in the, <laughs> the electric okay here's the thing the only reason i had the thing on was for the applause all right everybody gets one okay that was my moly that's my breakfast bowl but so what are we handing out awards for? Let's go through the the list of awards. Yeah, there's really no rhyme to reason to this um, movie of the year because we both enjoy watching films series of the year because everybody watches a series or two unless you're like super smart and you don't own a TV, which I never bought that whenever somebody said that their family didn't have a TV. Um, worst person of the year. I had TVs like in an embarrassing amount of rooms in the house growing up. I had a TV in the kitchen. We had one in. Pretty much every room. Yeah, and in the kitchen, because if you're in there cooking, you want to watch something. It was the small one that just sat on the counter, and you would just face it a different way, mm-hmm. depending on who was watching it. Yeah, fantastic. That probably wasn't good, looking back on that. Like, hey, we're both here. We're both fairly intelligent individuals, so it couldn't have been that bad. My eyes yeah. aren't square. That's true. So, uh, We're going to do shocking moment, because it seems like there's plenty of those. Um, biggest loss of 2022. 
most historic moment of 2022. And to follow up with the loss, we had the biggest winner of 2022. So we can jump right in. It's going to be pretty heavily discussion-based. There's not a lot of fact to some of this stuff. Oh, this is zero fact. (laughs) Some of these will be general Some of these might have facts in them and everything, but no. Strictly opinion-based. So movie of the year. You know what I just realized actually thinking about this? When the last time I went and saw like a movie in the theater was, and it has been a while. You know, though, it's really, I like things getting back to normal. Like mm-hmm. Movie theaters serve a purpose. Unfortunately, there's so many of them that it doesn't seem like that purpose. Like they're going to go out of business. eventually. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to happen. Malls are going to kind of be the same way, but there's certain movies that you do want to see in theaters. It's also kind of nice to like make dinner or order a pizza and then just shut off all the lights, turn on the surround sound. and Oh, get on the the couch in like a heated blanket or just like in your, oh yeah, God. Yeah, there's a reason why. But the thing is too is, and this is where we're going to get off the rails on this because we're just talking about and reminiscing about crap. Last time I think I was in a, you know when you get the actual reaction in a movie theater of like a moment happening and there's an audible noise from the crowd, mm. but you don't mind it because in your head, you may have just made that noise out loud too. Yeah, it, and, it could fit perfectly into the movie. Well, I can, and just kind of geeking out, but I remember the last time I experienced that, and it's going to be me thinking about if I'm ever going to experience that again, was watching um, Endgame. And yeah. it was the moment where Cap picks up the hammer, and when he picks it up, it doesn't show who's picking up the hammer, just lifts, and you hear the crowd go, <gasps> And it's like a, it, the, like the whole room that sudden yeah. inhale, and then only other was, guy that's ever picked up Thor's hammer. It was uh, shocking. Throws it, and then it comes back and catches it, and it was just like the cheer. But I was, I don't know. It's it's weird to kind of think that if movie theaters do go away, that there's not gonna to get that feel. You're gonna have to invite over, like stop, you know everyone from watching a movie gather people at your house and hope that you can kind of recreate that. Almost that like, might be a, that might be a moment that people have to reminisce about. Like, like remember, a wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah. You, Hey, you guys remember movie theaters? Like what are theaters? Well, there were these big places where they showed movies when they first came out. Oh, they couldn't just, you couldn't just stream them like right when they came out. No. I think there'll always be like a movie theater. To some extent, it'll just be more like boutique shows. As long as our our generation might be the last generation that keep those open for. Well, yeah, and it it may not be like the the twenty one cinemas or like ten cinemas, wh- whatever the big places are. Yeah, it's going to move to more of a model where you're getting dinner. Like we have a couple of them where you can go sit in the VIP section. You can yep. get food. You can get mm-hmm. drinks. But they're going to be like special boutiques, and it's only it's gonna not be for dinner and a show. It's dinner during the show. Yep. Yeah, yeah. and. I honestly think this year, like 2022, is kind of like the comeback of major movies. I think yeah. th- these probably had some of the biggest box offices. One of the one on our list got uh, filmed back in like 2018 or 2019. Did you know that? Yeah, and then they had to hold it off. We can talk about it right now because it's our third. It's our third, our consensus third place yeah. between both of us. Now, there are going to be one or two of these in which we actually differ on it because – one of them is this series because we didn't watch. It's too hard to like line up series almost because there's so much fucking stuff out there. Yeah, there's just so much content. It almost has to be a personal preference because you're just you're never going to see everything that everybody else sees. But movies, we we made sure yeah. we saw these ones. So coming in third, um, 
I got some issues with this movie, <laughs> which is why it's in third, but it still made the top three. And that's going to be, I feel like this is going to be, is this a hot take? Because I feel like a lot of people were saying this was better than it was. They loved it. Top they Gun Maverick. Multiple times. I just, I, I get the whole allure of Top Gun. I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, so it doesn't feel quite like I had the buzz. Tom Cruise is an actor. I He's so charismatic. He's so, I, he has that run in Mission Impossible, and he does that mm-hmm. weird, awkward Ethan Hunt run. But you got to admit, admire the man that does his own stunts. But yeah, there's, outside of his movie career, you're just like, ugh. Odd duck, weird fella. Who was he? It wasn't Kate Hudson that he was married to forever. Katie Holmes. Oh, Katie Holmes. That's right. What Thank if, God she got out of that. What if Tom Cruise actually just isn't like participating in Scientology? He just quietly left and they're like, oh, he's like, I'm just not going to say anything, guys, but I'm just going to walk away from this and just do my own thing. And they're like, okay, well, you're not going to like disparage this. Like, no, if you guys just, you know, don't mention it, don't do anything, I won't mention anything and we'll just part ways. He's like a, a Christmas and Easter Catholic. No, he doesn't even do that. He's just like, yeah, shows I, up. I don't know. I got to think he makes money off of it somehow. I got to think Scientology oh God, yes. pays Fuck him yes, a stipend or something. Yes. He's got stock in that shit. Okay. What did you like about this movie? Um, I, It's weird because like you say, it was filmed in 2018. And I even think that I maybe said a little pointer last night, but... Top Gun Maverick feels like it should have been a sequel. Like, even though it was shot in 2018, everything about it felt like an old movie. Like, everything about it. I think Top Gun came out in 87, 88, maybe somewhere around that. Mm-hmm. This movie could have come out in 1990, and it would have felt probably the same as it came out this year. Like, it it had that old kind of nostalgic feel. There wasn't anybody that was too dressed up. Um, oh, uh Roosters. Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Dreamboat. Very, very handsome kind of second leading man. I also felt like this was sort of Tom Cruise stepping on everybody else's career a bit. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, man. Yeah, I, this was definitely a Tom, I understand it's called Top Gun Maverick, and maybe their intention is this was um, the movie of him leaving the role and then the uh, you know them taking over something like that. Miles Teller steps up for the next one. Here, here's the thing: you're any of those actors, and you're in a Top Gun movie. Everyone's just like, "Yes, Mr. Cruz, whatever you need, Mr. Cruz." Absolutely. Yeah, like any anything you need. I think the other thing too is one of the things I noticed is how like they they um, appropriately aged up the love story. And what I mean by that is not the ages of the characters, but more so like how the actual like interaction, like relationship would be like the, the night that they finally, you know, she finally gets off the bike and she leaves her door open and comes in. The scene doesn't go to like a sex scene. It literally just goes to them like talking to each other. Did you notice that? He doesn't have a shirt on and she's like fully dressed still. I think, no, they just got done, I think. Maybe she's the kind that keeps the top on and just does the bottoms. I, it, it felt so <laughs> awkward and so odd. But yeah, it it felt like a, a punched-up adult love story, except for the fact that going by their timeline, he would have been back for like three days before they smashed. Well, like, yeah, but they had, it was they, very had dated, quick. they had dated before. They had, 
But at the same time, it's like that's a very quick reentry. They seem to have hung out a life. lot in those three days. If I'm being honest, they seem to have. There were, think of it this way: there was like a football game that happened, like greased up football game uh, when she yeah, was there at I, the beach, and then they hung out like three more times before that. So they were getting that that time in. Here's the other thing: I spectacle wise, the movie was great. It was fun to watch, especially that third act. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that like they're having like the father son like dynamic conversation as they're spinning down to the ground like I'm better than you and he's like don't do it 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 was just so heavy handed that like yes we get it that's we get it that's goose that's to you that's goose that's the representation and you want to protect him and everything like that and yeah we get it Miles Teller you're upset at Tom Cruise because he didn't want you to go in the Navy because guess what his father your his best friend and your father died in the Navy he's gonna and he promised your mom he didn't he never tells you that though we're gonna spoil two of the three of these movies and I feel like the third one is just these things have been out for almost all of 2022 yeah, if, no. This one. If this is if, if this is it, this is if this is when you're catching up, I'm sorry about ruining this movie. I'm I, not sorry. You should have seen it by now. It's it's available streaming. <laughs> yeah, you can it, stream this. It's fucking everywhere. Paramount Plus, I think. But that whole dynamic of the whole like family thing, as far as like family, but not family. Will they? Won't they? His love interest obviously knows Goose, so that whole kind of factor plays in when they have the heartfelt discussion. One thing that shocked me. When he first walks back onto the base and he sees the picture of Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. I saw his face. It's like, holy shit, Val Kilmer looks really good in this movie. And then later on when you see him again, it's like, oh, they peeled off his face during the original movie and then waited this whole entire time and just slapped it over the plastic surgery face. Like, he looked bad. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, did, okay, so there's a Val Kilmer documentary and I think it's just called Val. And I think I watched it like, maybe like six months ago. Mm-hmm. And he actually, so he can't even talk like that. He talks with the thing that he holds to his he throat. He really has that issue? He has throat cancer? He did. I think he's in remission. But he is so skinny and stuff. They A lot of that is like the CGI touch-ups to make his face look okay. thicker and fuller. That's why he also was typing. And when he was moving his mouth, that was actually a computer putting his voice together to do that. He's not really speaking that. That's actually really? like they took all of his dialogue and stuff from other movies that they were able to compile and to be able to create those lines. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Odd that two of our movies have some odd, like weird typing in them, huh? Yeah. I, and come on, man, that guy's an admiral and you're still calling him ice. Like his name's Tom. Like at some point you guys could have just like, you could call him Tom or at least ice man. His, His, come on. But also during the movie, Tom Cruise, I believe, Val maybe says it too, but by the end of it, the kids, the recruits are all calling him Mav when they're up in the planes too. Yeah, I guess. Okay, here's my other problem. You just reminded me. Oh, the planes? Yeah. Why it looked like they were flying kites? No. the The simple fact that the whole time that they're training, they're training and they have co pilots, the weapons officers behind them the entire time, spotting targets and everything like that. So they're training them, and then all of a sudden, when they're flying that final mission, they, like, Goose doesn't, or Rooster doesn't have a co-pilot. They both didn't. Maverick and him didn't. Yeah, because they were the, the gunners. They were the second bomb, or I know, they were but, the bomb droppers. I know, but why, why would you train that whole time? Because the person also in the back is also, like, your navigator and stuff like that yeah. when you're flying. So, like, 
why would you train someone? Like, just, I understand it's ridiculous premises it is because, like, the whole mission flying under the, you know, 100 feet through the canyon, flip over upside down into the volcano, In fire. Two minutes and, yeah. and 30 seconds. And, yes. But the, the concept of, like, hey, we're going to train you in two weeks to do this stuff you've never done. And we're also going to take away that guy that you're always used to flying with. And you're, and you're going to have to do this just, you know, with a fl- plane flying behind you, too. Yeah, and I mean, technically, the only one that didn't have that anymore was um, Miles Teller. But Well, here's the other thing, is that they did that because they couldn't have, like, if Miles Teller came back to save Tom Cruise and the sacrifice, they'd be like... What do you fucking do, dude? You just your co-pilot's yeah, probably I mean, like I don't want to fucking sacrifice Miles. Yeah, it just makes yeah. Because then when Miles Teller comes back and gets shot down, he would have you know his co-pilot could have been risking himself mm-hmm. too. I, for as many issues as I had with it, it, with it being as Tom heavy as it was, and the fact that he just kept having to do like dumb over the top Maverick shit to continue to either prove himself or keep his jobs like the 10 G's thing or the 10. Is it just really easy to steal a plane? Hey, it must be because they snuck behind enemy lines. I love the Not de- only that. Okay. Here's the thing. I think about that though. Almost at every point Maverick is like, even in this movie, he, he leaves with the plane early before the general gets there the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the other time he goes out and he's like supposed to be grounded and by the time they pick him up, he's already doing the canyon run. He does it in like the two minutes and 15 yeah. seconds. It's like he has – that's his superpower. It's great flying, but he also is really good at stealing a plane. That's that's why when Rooster was like, we're going to steal that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got this. Oh, like, we'll just be like, able to fly it. Yeah. I don't know if it runs. I don't know if it has fuel. Mm-hmm. I steal this. I steal these fucking things all the time. <laughs> Nobody guards these things apparently. <laughs> It's on a base. That's as yeah. far as we need to go. Look how far out on the corner it is. Just this one bunk. No one's going to be paying attention. Yeah, we can start this fucking jet. For as much as we're kind of ripping on it, it was a very entertaining I was entertained. Watch. Yes, it, it made the top three. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do get the buzz about it. I get the excitement. I think we might pick things apart a little bit differently than most people just because it... Hey, there's so much of a suspension of relief, which is funny because it should be the most believable one mm-hmm. out of the three that we we picked, but it's just not. <laughs> like yeah. It's it's just so unbelievably crazy, and that's what you want in an action movie. And like I say, I think that's where it kind of got the '80s feel to it. Was yeah. it was just like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. But uh, all in all, I mean, I, I think it deserves to be up here. It grossed a fucking ton. Oh, that's the other thing. The first one was fairly ambiguous about who the enemy was, right? No, no, no. First one was, it was very clear, I think, that it was the Russians, because they talked about MiGs. It was MiGs, MiGs, okay. MiGs. Well, this one, we get one mention of Iran when they talk about the nuclear base, and that's the last time it's mentioned where it it's, is. It's a, spe- the term they use for it makes it sound like it's an ambiguous military force that's based at like a splinter cell group uh-huh. or some shit like that. Yeah, I like how they do that. But they just so happen to be able to build this uranium enrichment plant under in like this dormant volcano well in iran and there's snow everywhere it's like Mm -hmm. iran has snow this is a thing well yeah because i think part of like russia touches iran doesn't it and that's what could maybe yeah i I just found it funny that they said iranian one time during the whole thing and then after that we just we knew exactly who it was Mm -hmm. and we weren't going to mention it again got it we know who it is (laughs) all right moving on so this was a tough decision between these final two, but uh, consensus is second is the Batman. I, yeah, I, I almost have to start with apologies. Cause I think I've even said things on here. 
I didn't feel like this was going to be a great Batman. I, I kind of got brainwashed by Christopher Nolan and felt like his uh, his trilogy was just fantastic and it was kind of the kiddies' titties. I wasn't a real big sell on Robert Pattinson. They definitely did a lot of touch-up on Pattinson's face to make him look older. I think he's only like 36, maybe. Which Do you think to make him look older? Yeah. He's oh, supposed yeah. to be in his like 20s in the movie. Well, I, I just kind of like noticed a, it when he shows up at the funeral for the Oh, uh, he's just captain. supposed to look like shit because he fucking doesn't sleep. Yeah. And, and he doesn't, and he doesn't give a shit with what he looks like. Okay, here. I love this movie. But the reason I think, you know, of course there's great things to love about this movie. But we have to also explain why it's in second. I, I, yeah, I I think there's kind of when we introduce the first, it'll kind of make more sense. The Batman as a whole, and we kind of just kind of talked about it a little bit. Batman in your head almost feels fantastical, like just with all the gadgets that they come up with. I think that's base. I think the reasoning for that is because growing up, the Batman was was more fantastical a little bit. Like watching like Batman the animated series, that was a Batman that used the gadgets. And like, you know, he had the grapple gun. He That's how he got it for He just held it up and fired that thing and it connected with a building and then he just mm-hmm. shot off through the city. Like, apparently gravity did not apply to him. He was not afraid of heights. Like, what <laughs> What are you grappling on to, man? It's like Spider-Man. Where do the webs go? That's true. But like this thing is like Spider-Man, you could be like, well, the web might have stuck to a higher building or a crane. Telephone poles. Batman, you're like, you're firing this at a cronk. Are you breaking a lot of windows, dude? And sometimes it would show it go over like a flagpole mm-hmm. like 50 stories up. And you're like... What, you hitting this flagpole every time. And that's going to hold you. It's not going to bend under the pressure. And you're going 50 floors up. What are you going to do up there? Well, and also you look at like the, the Batmobile has had just amazing changes over time, just with what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And kind of in the... How did you like explain how you felt when you saw it like fire up and you heard that sound? First of all, how does it even get to the Batmobile? Yeah, no, it's completely unexplained. But I thought about that for two seconds. But as soon as you hear the noise and you see it shoot out, and mm-hmm. it's, I think it's like a, they based it on like a late 60s charger. Mm-hmm. And you hear the noise. It sounds like a vehicle. It just sounds like a supercar. Yeah. And you see it. And it's always kind of in the shadow. So you don't get the full layout and look of it. Mm-hmm. But when you see the front and you see the slanted back window, you're like, mm-hmm. that's a charger. That's just, that's exactly what it is. And it fits like that kind of reality motif of like, he may be young, but he also knows that this car is cool as shit, and I'm sure that's how it was designed. Oh, yeah. It's just built to fucking hunt something down. Yeah, dude. It was so cool. Yeah, I had I had my reservations about... You know what? I actually... Not so much about like him as Batman, because as soon as like the Heath Ledger thing, I think that like qualmed a lot of people's doubts about weird casting for movies, and some sometimes we've been burned at everything, but... Um, yeah, as like Batman, I think Robert Pattinson did, did great as Batman and everything, but, and I get why his Bruce Wayne isn't really like, he's year two Batman. So he's still so focused on like fighting crime that he doesn't realize that he has to also have like a public persona that he can Mm -hmm. do good that way too. So I'm expecting that to kind of transition, especially when at the end of this one, he sees himself like he can inspire. I think seeing him take a more active role like as the Bruce Wayne character would be kind of cool in the next one. I hope they bring the Selena Kyle actress back. She was, they very hot together. Both of them were very good looking people. Mm-hmm. She played a very good role as Catwoman. Yeah. Too. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. She's a great actress. That was Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. 
didn't she play Domino in Daredevil too, or no? Domino in Daredevil. Or wow, not Daredevil. Um, uh, oh, in Deadpool. Yeah. No, that was Zazie. Zazie. Oh, that's Beats. right. That's the girl that's in Atlanta. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Zoe Kravitz played a phenomenal character. Like I said, very good looking, mm-hmm. but just a very believable just in her whole persona and the fact that she was willing to kill people when yeah. Batman wasn't. The fact that the bat signal seemed to stay on for most of the movie, but somehow that was him and Commissioner, or I guess not Commissioner Gordon. Like, who, like at no point does any other cop, like, where the fuck is this light coming from? Mm-hmm. I, we're not or it's questioning like one of the building? police helicopters that are flying like, hey, we got this big fucking floodlight down here at this building shining this like weird signal in the sky. You want to get someone to check on it? it? Maybe we look at that. Yeah. And it's just always like a completely unconstructed building for just the perpetuity of time oh, yeah. for whenever Batman's needed. I, I, the, the permits are taking forever for this building. <laughs> what about fucking Colin Farrell as the penguin? I, it had to, I had to look it up because he just... his demeanor in his face was just he was a great penguin oh yeah and just the whole idea i I, you never watched um gotham on fox did you yes you did yeah did you like it like early on i watched um i stopped watching it after probably like season two yeah there's just so much you can do about like if you don't have batman it's hard to like explain why you have these characters in Gotham. Just and yeah, Jim Gordon, Gordon can do a lot, is. but no, no, I real I realized that that's the whole point, but to already have like a lot of these characters when Batman's like, like 13, 13 or 14 yeah. or something like that. Um, are you comparing what we got as the, in the penguin, like what? as the penguin in that series? Uh-huh. Oh, night. It's the little skinny guy. That's like, but he plays a great character. This one, he was just so much, Colin Farrell was just so much more of a mobster. Like it was, mm-hmm. you felt Which that that's when, how he is in the comics. Though. Yeah. Well, in the comics, I would say yes, but then you get like DeVito that used to hang out in the sewer and all that shit. Yes, like okay. That, that was a little bit more odd. This guy felt like you didn't want to cross him. Every other penguin kind of felt like, oh, he's called the penguin, like how dangerous could he yeah. be? This one, though, the dude felt like he had some pull and he was an exciting character. I want to and find that, out why there, he's getting an HBO series. Is he? Yes. Okay. So that's HBO has like a deal to develop like DC series. So that's going to be kind of cool. How like Marvel and Disney? Disney mm-hmm. have the Marvel division. I think, honestly, too, DC might have come out on top this year because Marvel movies, I don't know if it was just the fatigue of all the Avengers and everything finally catching up. I don't think it's that. I think it's that the, the new characters aren't catching on like. They hope they would. True. But even like the the second Black Panther just didn't hit kind of the right spots. Well, I mean, you're... You lose Chadwick. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's very tough. But uh, yeah, I, I think this was DC's best showing in a decently long time. Yeah, agreed. Probably since uh, Momoa and... Well, the whole universe is getting reset so soon as the flash movie comes out that's supposed to reset everything because james gunn the guardian of the galaxy guy he is now him and another guy are now the studio heads for dc studios so they're wiping the slate clean keeping keeping a few of the series like did you watch peacemaker yeah fantastic i think they might be keeping that together because that's james gunn is the one that did that and the newer suicide squad okay i i yeah i take that back then because i think peacemaker was this year right it had to. I want to feel. Yeah, it might have been. And it was I fantastic. Love that theme song. 
do you really want to do you really want to taste it and the, the whole i would watch that whole dance scene the entire every single episode cena's character is great too yeah. like he was a great peacemaker that was maybe his best performance in a movie or i guess a show ever yeah all right so let's get let's get to number one i feel like we're yeah we're gonna lead into it perfectly because as great as cena was in peacemaker batista another wrestler was fantastic in this movie i think he's a better actor than cena I was going to say there's been some stuff coming out like overall the best wrestler turned actor is ac- actor, not technically movie star, but actor is uh, Dave Batista, which is crazy. Yeah, great for Drax. He was a, a great character playing Drax. And He's Guardians played some like com- complex characters too. Yeah, it's not just funny guy. It's not just strong, tough guy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, You see a lot of – he played a pretty good role in this. So, yeah, I mean – so everybody else is caught up. Uh, Bravo to Netflix. Yeah. A Netflix original film, which isn't that fucking crazy. It's scary. As we're going to, we're going to, we get so many fucking good. We're going to get so many good movies. It's going to, we're going to get Apple movies. We're going to get, this is, I will say this. There's so much shit to try to keep track of and like watch. It's almost overwhelming. But the simple fact that streaming is happening means that like, who would have fucking thought we would have got some of like the movies or TV series that we would have had. They're so fringe out on like the edges of these popular culture, like Mm -hmm. phenomenons. They're like, we just want more. And they're like, we're going to fucking give you more. HBO was kind of the, the head nut in this and Showtime did theirs. uh, Cinemax kind of did theirs, but HBO with the series that they came out with Mm -hmm. so long before streaming was ever like a thing. They really kind of laid the blueprint blueprint for everybody. Netflix though here, bringing it home. So glass onion, I had no fucking clue about this movie. I saw that it was trending and everything like that. You mentioned when I asked you about your top movie for the year, and now I feel bad I waited this long to watch the movie. They did a very cool thing. It's it's a fairly new movie. I think it came out right around maybe Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit before. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they had limited run in theaters before they dropped it off at Netflix. Mm-hmm. So Netflix was in theaters as a production company, nice. like, which is very cool. But – Part of the fun of Glass Onion is there's just the biggest turn and kind of the biggest diversion in the middle of it. And it's just basically the easiest way to explain it if you haven't seen it yet. It's like playing Clue, except for it's an incredible story. Except instead of you solving the mystery, you're watching Mr. Benoit Blanc solve the mystery. Yeah, and even with Benoit, you're right there along with him. Like you're trying to piece together everything that he's saying. It's very tricky when you're stoned. And watching this, like, because, yeah, you think he's pulling one over on you, but, yeah, fantastic character, fantastic cast. Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista. um, James Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig. I'm trying to think of the other people, a few actors that I wasn't aware of. I already said Kate Hudson. Uh, There's a girl that played in Iron Fist that plays Kate Hudson's assistant. I can't remember what her name is. And then a few other people. But, yeah, great cast. Great, very simple premise. Revenge, a revenge mystery, and then sweet, sweet redemption in the end. You get and to then, see the millionaire get shit on. And then but they peel the wool back. They don't wait till the end of the movie. Here's the brilliance, I think, of it. They let you in on it halfway through the movie. So then you get to be in on it for the rest of the movie, and it's more suspenseful that way. The stakes are higher. So uh, what, you know, wait. if you haven't, okay, if you haven't seen Glass Onion, pause. Okay, so you've watched it? Okay, cool. So 
now we have to watch Knives Out. We haven't watched Knives Out yet, so we both got to watch that. But Benoit Blanc, the world's greatest detective. I didn't know where this was going when we first met him in the bathtub. Well, and especially the cool part about it was this was, I think it, they said in the beginning it was like May 17th, 2020. So right as the shit kicked off for COVID. I love which, how they just cleared that up within the first 15 mm-hmm. minutes of the movie and they're like, tss, in your mouth, tss, in your mouth, you're good. COVID was a, a huge storyline in this just because of the way it kind of worked because Benoit being the world's greatest detective, as soon as COVID hit, he was just out of work. He was mm-hmm. a bored guy. He was spending an odd amount of time in the bathtub mm-hmm. for some reason. I hope Knives Out kind of clears that up a little bit, the first one. But he I think was, he, just ha- he has to have a case. Yeah, this is I, his way of, of coping. But he has to have a complex case because it shows him in the beginning when he's playing the murder mystery yeah. with the other with fucking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar mm-hmm. and a bunch of other famous people. Natasha, whatever her name is from like. American Pie and Orange is the New Black. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's constantly losing to these people in this online murder mystery game, and he makes reference to it multiple that times. He sucks at the it. game clue. Yeah, because it doesn't make too, any sense. There's no rationale. Too simple. Real rationale. Yeah. So, anyway, so long story short, this basically you have these people that started a tech company, and they had this group of friends. They all get invited out to the main guy's island for like this yearly vacation. Edward Norton's yep, island. Edward Norton's island. Um, Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig, somehow gets invited. And the part of the mystery is who invited him because the guy sent only limited invitations to just his friends in these riddles. And so you think that's part of the mystery. He then spoils the actual murder mystery game that the guy sets up. Within like, about and, five Oh, minutes. my God. That scene <laughs> where he's just explaining. I thought he was doing a, a bit yeah. for a second where he was trying to like get into the game and show that he was into it. And then literally just solving it. I was like... <laughs> When he mentioned the crossbow, I'm like, it's not going to work. And then, and it hits. He's just sitting there with the blood. blood. Uh (laughs) And then basically, he then kind of explains through his powers of observation about all these people he's invited. All these people are like beholden to him. He's given them money, has influence over them, or has like done something wrong to them. And one of the people was his ex-business partner that him and all the other ones screwed out of essentially her idea. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars in her idea. So... She ends up showing up for like the first time out of any of these little trips. She's always invited, apparently, though, which is weird, but that's why it explains that she can show up. And through Benoit Blanc, you know, seeing these people travel out on the boat with them and everything, he kind of hears and overhears things, kind of observing around that everyone has a grievance and would be better off if, what's the main guy's name? Miles? Yeah. Edward Norton Miles was dead. And starts to kind of like turn it into trying to find an actual murderer. And so you're like, okay, this is interesting enough. The plot itself at that point was like, cool, it's going to be a, a murder mystery to find out who's going to try to kill him. It's set. You know what you're looking out for. And it, you think that that's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And then literally halfway through the movie, instead of waiting for the huge twist at the end, it does its big twist in the middle when it explains that the whole thing is actually a, a trap set to go ahead and out Edward Norton or one of these friends as the killer of this um, woman that, or Andy was her name, yep. Andy, that had helped start the tech company. Her twin sister is actually playing her. She actually died like three or, three or four days previous or something like I that. It was about two weeks. Okay, and it's been kept out of the news. Mm-hmm. They've been keeping it out of the news. She went to Benoit Blanc and was like, I know these people had something to do because my sister, it was staged to look like a suicide. My sister wouldn't have done this. 
and basically gives Benoit Blanc the entire story. And you're learning about all this backstory halfway through the movie, as soon as she gets shot. And so you learn that Benoit Blanc and her have been working together this entire time. She's been posing as her sister. So it lets you in on what the twist is going to be. And so normally you'd be like, that fucking ruins the movie. You just let me know what the twist is. But then there's still who killed the sister because they're not quite sure who it was because different people could have been at the crime scene and they've given clues and everything. Yeah, it's just like a retwist on the initial twist mm-hmm. because you're trying to figure out who had the motive to kill Andy. Yeah, just uh, the whole thing was just brilliantly done. And like I say, you as soon as you find out kind of the first twist, and I went into it knowing that there was a twist and it was going to kind of be a murder mystery. So I'm kind of trying to pick out, like, can I figure this out? And most movies, you can usually sniff out a twist coming. M. Night had a few of them. I mean, notable ones you can think of is like... Um, I I miss the days, dude, because I have a horrible habit of getting so excited to see something that if I'm not able to see it when it's released, I'm like, I got to know what happens in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just so... I want If I'm really into something, I got to have that information. And then... It, it ruins a lot of like what could be, and I still enjoy it immensely, but I can ruin it for myself. Yeah. That's why I do like when stuff, I find a show that doesn't have all of its seasons out when I'm watching it as it comes out. Cause it makes me wait as much as I hate that. Cause when I get to a show that I really like, and I'm in the first season, I was like, well, I can watch an episode in an hour, but I can see what's coming up in the episodes. And I start looking and then I feel like I almost lose interest in it. I didn't know anything about glass onion. So watching it the whole time, I'm just like, Oh, I don't know what's happening. And I I missed it. It made me realize that that's what I do to other stuff. So like with Knives, I'm not even going to, uh-huh. I want to just watch it and, and fear that. And I want to be better about that. But yeah, just, it was a, I spent a lot of time thinking, I'm like, how many people did it take to write this? Because if this is like, can you imagine sitting in the writer's room? Like what happens next? And you're literally just piecing this together to all be cohesive, but then tie back into like me and you talked about. Did you go back and try to remember what you saw when oh, it started doing flashbacks? Everything, yeah. Did you rewind back to that point? Because I'm wondering if you won't re- rewind it, if he really does the the yeah, cup yeah, switch, yeah. or if that was a separately filmed stuff that was then placed in there, or if it even showed that scene. It was just something that like happened kind of really close off screen. Mm-hmm. I didn't go that far, but yeah, I I got done with it, and I was like, that is just like, it was really the dialogue was excellent, everything that happened in it, and it was just like. That's fucking good. A good, just writing, a well, good script, a good premise. That's it's awesome. If you haven't seen it, watch it. That lays so much into the predictability factor. Because going back to third place, going back to Top Gun, there's a point where you're watching him train the pilots, and uh, the girlfriend even mentioned it. She goes, "So, do you think he's going to choose Miles Teller, and then who's going to be the other one?" And I go, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. And you think it's going to be the cocky, brash dude. Mm-hmm. And they somehow have to work together. And then she goes, you think it's going to be Tom Cruise? I was like, no. And as soon as I said no immediately, I was like, it's Top Gun Maverick. It's going to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. You just know. Because he has nothing to lose also. Like he would, yeah. it makes sense that if he came down to it, he could sacrifice himself. He could go out in a blaze of glory. So you know 45 minutes into the movie that he's going to be doing the final mission, yeah, even though you're it not doesn't interested. seem like At it. At that point, though, you're in it to see if he, what happens. Does Maverick survive? How does, does he, how does he, does he get to ride off into the sunset to Kenny Loggins' danger zone? Uh, yeah, it's very true. It was just very predictable. All right. Glass Onion, I couldn't predict shit. I thought I had it. You think that you pick up on little things, and then once the first twist happens, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, fuck. 
Okay, well, this is completely different than anything mm-hmm. that I thought was going to happen. You think Edward Norton's going to die the whole entire time. Doesn't happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on to series of the year. And I understand we've been on movies for roughly almost 40 minutes at this point. Whew. So that should be the longest one that yeah. we do. But anyway, strap in, ladies and gents. This might be a multiple listener. Maybe when you're on your way to work, going back home, on your way to work the next day, going back home. We're going to entertain you for a few days. We're going to try to do that. Yeah. It's it's the recap of an entire year. Come on. It's going to take a little bit. Here we go. All right. Uh, series, TV series of the year. Now, because here's the other thing, too, because we haven't seen some of these of each other's. It'll be a quick discussion. You can just say what you liked about it, and then we can just move on. So yeah. for you, what was your what would have been your third place? Um, my third place... Personally, my third place probably would have been Peacemaker, just because it was kind of a fun, excuse me, spin on the superhero movie and being a wrestling guy. John Cena was a little after my like childhood of mm-hmm. watching wrestling. And I kind of tend to go. He kind of relieved that old guard that you'd kind of grown up with, you, and like you were yeah. accustomed to the Attitude Era. He mm-hmm. ushered in a, a completely different era of wrestling, so it was nice to see him play a different character than his actual like persona as a wrestler. Yeah, is just like a, a down, out of work, just a just got released from prison, had mm-hmm. to go back to his trailer. Like just the whole idea of his dad being the worst person on the planet oh, and yeah. raising him to kind of be morally questionable. Excuse me, but at the end of the day, he still has to pull through. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the the whole character setup was great. Um, his dad being the white dragon was a fucking trip to see how far into like clansmanism they went. <laughs> that it's crazy. But if you really think about it, there would at some point in these, this world of superheroes and supervillains, they already are fucking the villains of yeah. the world and everything. So why wouldn't they, in some aspect, be, you know, the super villains as well or have their own, like, super, you know, villain representative? No, Peacemaker wasn't. Yeah, it was an excellent. I'll put it even in my fourth place, but just the theme alone and the dance <laughs> that m- might be the top credits I've ever seen, opening credits for a show. That's true. Him dancing in his skibbies yeah. and... Just being a monster mountain of a man. We talked, I think, a couple episodes ago about how Cena's size is now. Yeah. In that movie, he was full full juice, full rooted oh, yeah. out, just a, a monster of a man. I think when he, th- when he loses weight, the first place he loses weight is his neck and face. Uh-huh. Because the rest of his body, it, like, is so fucking just muscle. So artificial almost. Exactly. It's like, no, this is partially plastic at this point bro it's coming out of your face <laughs> and your fucking neck first so that's why it even looks like he's kind of like stretched out a little bit yeah you lost 10 pounds unfortunately it was all in your face and neck yeah so that would be my third place just quick uh second place i'll do i'll do my third okay i'll go back and forth but just so we're not yeah, yeah. i'll go house of the dragon is my third and i i like this show i watched it Either the night that it was on. Yeah, most time of night was maybe the next night. So I was like mm-hmm. staying with it. A lot of, lot of births. A lot of really... Inc- I, I talked to you about this just a second ago. But uh, just an excessive amount of C-sections and uh, stillbirths. Uh, people dying in childbirth, being burned alive in childbirth by a dragon. Just, uh, huh? Yeah, just a lot. Uh, someone getting their face punched in and just into a pulp. I mean... 
Game of Thrones really prepares you for a lot of stuff, but I feel where Game of Thrones had it right was they did give you a little bit more of the like sexual side of it. Not to sound like a pervert, but I mean, that aspect is much more enjoyable than seeing someone get cut open to to save a child. That's not being a pervert. No, no, no. And I'm not saying that's not worth it to save a child. What I'm saying is this is fucking medieval times. So it's not like everything, you know, that's... The birthing but, process back then is not. And a, here's a the I'm in, I'm not even shitting you. This is one season so far of this show. No less than four disgusting per- pregnancy related. Pre- I've seen birth. It's it, it can be beautiful. It's powerful. <laughs> I didn't go down there. I was in the room and I was very overwhelmed with all my feelings one Smart time. Man. But what I'm saying is, is I don't feel like this is an accurate representation of what happened in this show, because. It was terrifying, and I had to look away. But yeah, four out of ten. Come on, like get... there was ten episodes. Yeah, that's too much. If you had twenty episodes, that's too much. One mm-hmm. out of every five is. That's we too we much. get it. We get it. Birth in this land is hard. Bad times. We are completely understanding of this. No need to keep proving it to us. All yeah. right, number two. Dragon should be the scariest part of it. Yeah, and I <laughs> and you know what, it it wasn't bad, and it's doing a good, it's doing an okay job of wiping out season eight. Of Game of Thrones, it has potential, but we'll see where it goes. So my number two, <coughs> excuse me, I think it was fairly decently well received. Um, <coughs> the the bear, and being somebody who really enjoys cooking, I've never worked a line in a kitchen, anything like that. But I've seen the previous is the one about is does he own the place? So it, basically, quick rundown of it. Um, Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago, um, roast beef stand, obviously, mm-hmm. big, big sandwich there. And so they put the jardinier and stuff and mix it that stuff in with it? Yeah, and mm-hmm. you got the hot Italian beef that's cooked all day long yeah. and sliced up for sandwiches. And, <coughs> excuse me, the way it's all set up is kind of the family dynamic of it is you have the main character worked in Michelin star restaurants his whole career, mm-hmm. basically. And his brother, who ended up being a, a very heavy drug addict and got involved in some sort of not great things, mm-hmm. was the one that ran the family's Italian beef restaurant. And it was just a shitty kind of broken down place. He was behind about $300,000 in just taxes to guys that weren't really good people. Like, not the bank. The bank he owed some yeah, money taxes. to. Yeah, the taxes. Yeah, Vig. I don't know. I don't even know. That. I just hear that word. Yeah. So the juice is running. Uh, brother commits suicide. He comes back. The whole entire time that the brother owned it, all he wanted to do was they wanted to work together. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't let his little brother into the restaurant. Told him to move on. He goes to all these ginormous, great restaurants. Works under. So Michelin the little brother chefs. wanted to come back and work with him, but he wouldn't allow it. He wouldn't allow him to come back there and waste his time. Yeah, trying hey, to be benevolent. He, okay, gotcha. he wanted more of him. Gotcha. And so after he dies, he comes back. The younger brother inherits the restaurant. It's just a shit show the whole time. Uh, he finds this very talented sous chef that comes in. She's just a, a really great character, but it's just a folly of things that happen to bad restaurants. And especially like in Chicago, there's episodes that are dedicated to wise guys working on the streets outside, mm-hmm. getting in fights outside the restaurant, windows break, all that kind of stuff. But the main thing is um, the brother that takes over is just so fucking good at cooking. He's just a, a decorated chef. You see just the stress that it is to be in a kitchen when you have tickets backing up. Mm-hmm. Nobody's listening to you on the line. Um, he brings in, 
a brigade style kind of way to run the back and it's sort of like a french idea of everybody has their stations mm-hmm. everybody works their stations ratatouille style yeah uh, yeah right. a little bit of yeah. ratatouille style yeah and <coughs> that movie teaches you so much and it was great like it was a, oddly enough it didn't have a lot of like food shit in it but it was a decent representation of what a kitchen looked like back then but all in all, just a, a great series watching Carm, the main character, and just the entire family. He's got a, a shitty cousin that is kind of keeping the business mm-hmm. afloat while he's just failing at doing these different things. But the anxiety that it gives you to watch them cooking in the kitchen, and I think this is something that a lot of people that I saw kind of referenced. You, by the end of an episode, you're damn near worn out. And it just, you feel everything. You feel yourself start to sweat a little bit, like, God damn, is it hot in here? Yeah, you see just all these kitchen situations where, like I said, never working in a kitchen, I'm not sure, but you can... I think because of your, like, that being one of your things, like food prep, food preparation, Mm -hmm. like you knowing the nuances of like when stuff has to be taken off and all that kind of stuff, I think that probably does cause you a level of stress that people watching it probably don't normally experience that don't know what goes into all that. Yeah. You never think about the beginning of a shift uh, before when you're doing your mise en place and getting everything set up, you have to peel a hundred onions. You have to go through and chop everything Mm -hmm. that you need. So your prep stations are all ready to go. So just at a moment's notice, you can throw together whatever your par cooking things. And then once that rush happens, one of the cool things that I forgot what the game was, it's not space invaders, but it was like an old school arcade game. Mm And they had like two of these machines left out of the entire city of Chicago. And so first thing that happens is he sets up a tournament to try to get people to come in. Yeah. And there's a line of like 300 people outside for the tournament and they have to start cooking. His beef order doesn't come in and they end up getting it a couple hours beforehand. So you feel like the squeeze and the rush of them trying to get everything Mm -hmm. prepared for this tournament to make money, to pay the, the winner's fee, but also to make enough money to keep the lights on. So it's very stressful, but just the whole thing is so good. The air, or the characters are just so great in it. So yeah, number two is my choice for that for All sure. Right. I'm trying to think now what I want to do for my second one. Always Sunny had a great year. They did. They they had a good comeback year. They had a great year. So I'm not going to go with them, but I just want to acknowledge that Sunny had a great year. Um, I'm only picking this one as the second one because it was the first season it came out. So I'm going to go with Rings of Power. And I'm someone who, of course, you can probably tell by now if you've listened to these podcasts, like the sci-fi nerd fantasy shit, like I, I love that stuff. So being able to kind of see like having known like the lore and everything behind like Lord of the Rings, like there's so much more that happens before any of the movies than after. And there's like thousands of years of events that have happened that were written by um, Tolkien similarly on all that kind of stuff. So, but they only had rights to certain things, but they were able to take what they had the rights to and essentially craft this story that could last possibly for 10 seasons if they play correctly, because it's thousands of years before, but you get to see these events that when you would read about them, you could only, because Tolkien wrote this so long ago, you know, none of it was really either sketched out or, I mean, he did some sketches and people have done like interpretations and stuff like that. But, uh, there's something about having read something. It was I more modern way would be like if you read like the Harry Potter books and then the first time you got to see Hogwarts and you're like, that's exactly what it looks like. Really? 
I thought with Potter, with books and movie, it felt completely different. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is like if you were reading the books and it was describing what it looked like, when you saw it, you're like, I can see how what they were describing and everything. Yeah. But like what I'm saying is that like being able to have all that lore and all that kind of stuff and then be able to see it like on screen. And they did tweak some characters and they tweaked some timelines, but it was cool just to kind of see like the villains that you are, you know, going to know at a certain point in the storyline and everything, but they have a lot more stuff to cover and they've been approved for like the next, like two, maybe even like the third season. But it felt like this is going to sound completely dumb when I say it, it felt like you were watching a book. Uh, Yeah. I I haven't seen the whole first season. It felt like you were watching a book based on another book. Yeah. But everything kind of felt like it had sort of like a a book in your hand mentality to it. Like you're reading through pages, exciting moments Mm -hmm. are kind of like when you're trying to flip through, you're trying to get through a page to get to the next one. That was sort of how some of the scenes felt. Yeah. It was there a lot of callbacks that if you watch the movies, read the books or anything like that, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't go deep into like the summer early on and the lore and everything like that, you would still pick up stuff about characters that you would hear mentioned, especially because mm-hmm. like the elves live forever. They're immortal. You would see characters that you saw in other interpretations in the Peter Jackson movies. It's cool. Those, the series that kind of like harken back to things that you're already into, I think are going to naturally be like you, like that, that bear one. I don't know if I would enjoy that so much, but the fact that it's something that you're interested in, I think is why you're just like, this is so like fascinating and like, I could see why this would be high stress and everything. Uh, yeah, there's so many weird kind of buttons that you can hit in somebody's brain depending on what they like and don't like. Like when I hear people talk about like garbage TV, like mm-hmm. Bravo and reality TV, I have no idea how in the world there's a sensor in somebody's brains like Jersey Shore. Boom. I have watched Jersey yeah. Shore. Uh, at the same time, where you don't get that, I I'll, I'll say this about it. And this is the only thing. I'm not making an excuse. I think you can appreciate Jersey Shore when you're past the age to be smart enough to know that nothing they're doing you should ever (laughs) mimic or anything like that. I think where you would get in trouble is if your brain is fucking mush and somehow you pick up something that they're doing is like, that seems like something that I should incorporate into my life. When you're able to watch it and just appreciate it, be like, oh, these motherfuckers are just dumb. If I want to see what kind of dumb shit like they can get away with. That's you're running when it's your just life by the GTL principle. Yes, that's just how you do it. Yes, and just like I don't know how that happens. There's a show on Hulu where these chefs go out into the forest and they forage for all the ingredients that they're going to cook mm-hmm. with, and it's kind of like Bear Grylls meets like Cutthroat Kitchen, yeah. and it's just a really weird like Iron mix. Chef. Yeah, yeah, a little grills. bit like that. And I'm sure to most people, when you say that, you're like, why the fuck would you take any sort of time watching that show? But it's just these buttons that hit. Yeah. And I, I, we don't, we cross over with certain things. I think movies more than TV shows. Yeah. But there's just, you can't deny good TV. Yeah. Okay, before we get into our number one, I was going to try to hold it till the next segment, but I do have to pee. Okay. All right, while we take a break from class and uh, take care of some business, you can also take care of some business. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter already, our Instagram handle is historically high pod, that's historically high pod, and our Twitter is historically high, that's historically hi. All right, and back to our show. All right, so number one series of the year. What do you got? Uh, I had a little backstory with this. I think everything that we've done has been like an initial first season of something that happened in 2022. Mm-hmm. 
But I, my number one is, and maybe it was the waiting, maybe it was the anticipation because HBO does things at their own fucking pace. But Euphoria season two was excellent. And I'm sure there's, it may be a fuzz out of my age range and it may be geared towards younger people. But there's just something that I enjoy so oh, much. My wife, Katie watches it. Does she? Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> Her and I's reasons for watching it have to be just vastly different. Well, I was just thinking about that. And I mean, one of the things that happens is you, you, Kind of pick up stuff on series by osmosis. Uh-huh. If you're in the same if room, your you're walking watching in. Yep, you're exactly. A bit of it. You're gonna pick it up in your periphery. But all I noticed in this one was that it was just a lot of people in dark rooms, either just having had sex, getting ready to have sex, or being coerced into sex. A lot of dicks. Where, yep, it seemed like that's what it was. Um, saw a lot of things online about how powerful some of the episodes were and how a lot of people talking about it, which usually means it's pretty pretty good um might come back to it when it's got some more seasons when i can binge it or when maybe the wife does her second watch through if it's going to be one of those the subject matter is just so kind of heavy in it and like i say i think with your wife watching it she sees things and she's like oh that's fantastical that's crazy or god i hope my kid doesn't turn out like that exactly and uh, her and i just live different lives i i remember High school parties. I remember house parties. I remember passing around pills at different different junctures of my life. You're hanging out with people that are probably not the best influence for you. But at the same time, they're always fun. And you mix that kind of... I would say it's a little hyperbolized, and maybe I'm just completely wrong because I've been out of high school for so long, and maybe it is that way. But you're also mixing in that with the story of an addict and seeing them try to make it through, like, high school difficulties. Mm-hmm. Zendaya is, uh, she's earned a, a single name billing. She's earned her prince title of just being like Zendaya. Her and Tom Holland, great couple, fantastic. They look like they match. But her performances as an addict and the whole entire thing just relapsing and going through it, fiending for drugs, meeting her AA sponsor, them kind of having a rough starting relationship and then it getting better and better. I think that's probably the mark of a great show, a a really great show is that it's not just, you know, if you talk to like three people to like the show, all three of them might like the show for a different reason. And I think when you, yeah, I think that's the hallmark of, of a great show with different storylines. People experience those storylines differently or, you know, one storyline speaks to them more than another. Well, and they juggle it so well because you have the the high school and the pressures of high school getting through that. So many characters in it have such a different story arc that you could almost bust it out into different series for each of them. Yeah. Like, you can do an episode on a, an ancillary character and it's like, okay, this is a great episode. Still. And don't be surprised if that happens because that's a huge thing now. I, and it could. I, you get um, Augustus Cloud playing, uh, fuck, I haven't seen it in a while. But he's just like the kingpin drug dealer. He had a terrible mom. Uh, his little brother, Ashtray, that they just found when he was a kid and somehow had raised him in this drug house. They they work together um, selling drugs and protecting Rue the entire time, protecting Zendaya. Then you also have a crazy jock killer, basically, 
who has terrible anger issues from his father being an asshole, being a, a closeted gay man that had a tough time living in a world where that wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And kind of settling. For maybe that's maybe that's where not that not that part specifically <laughs> speaking to you. No, what I'm saying is maybe that's that's where the adult interest comes in. Is you're getting to see essentially the repercussions of parent. Yeah. Oh parent, yeah. Parenting. This is like you. You're getting like a fly on the wall perspective of like what happens when parents do this. You're getting the you're getting to watch the the result of that. And just how bad and toxic relationships can be. I, I think. That's, oh, especially like young, yes, young ones. Yeah, it you're just, dumb as fuck. Of course, you're you're only you're willing to ignore every fucking red flag just because it's fun and exciting or dangerous, whatnot. I, and it has the absolute most toxic relationship that you that I think that I've ever seen on TV. But it's just so good that every single time is it you, from. Is it that Sydney Sweeney chick and then whoever her boyfriend is? Because every time I feel like I turn around on the screen, it's her getting pinned down or so like even very aggressively someone forcing themselves on her. The relationship, their relationship is awful, but she, her, Sydney Sweeney and the dude that she starts mm-hmm. dating, he had the most toxic relationship with her best friend. And this is where I have a tough time explaining it and having it sound like this should be something that I'm interested in because I we can just move on if you okay, just want to leave it I, I being can a, give great a show. fuck about love stories. But okay. everything about it from top to bottom, T to B, everywhere is just a storyline that catches your eye, and you're almost waiting for an episode where they look at that more, mm-hmm. just because you want to know more about it. It's a little they're just teasing you for that yeah. spinoff. Dropping Easter eggs everywhere. All right, my number one was uh, Andor. The Star Wars Disney Plus series, and out of all the Disney, I'm I love Star Wars. Not crazy about the newest additions to the the Skywalker trilogy or nine movies. Sorry, but with their series, they've been doing an okay job. Um, Mandalorian is excellent, and then they've had a couple that are a little less than that. Does Favre write for the movies and for the series, or just the series? He gets to write for the series. I don't know if he took on anything during the movies. He might have helped with like the first. I'm not sure. I don't want to tie him to that if he had nothing to do with it. But he's done an excellent job oh, with the yeah. series. He's so good. Him and uh, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni's this huge Star Wars geek that they did an excellent job of putting in control, creative control for this. But Andor is this movie that is based off a secondary character in like a kind of underappreciated Star Wars movie called, did you ever see Rogue One? It's the one where they steal the plans for the Death Star. It takes place right before, like, it's supposed to take place right before A New Hope, the one that was the first one back in the 70s. Anyway, the character in this is basically, he's a, like, almost like a black ops agent for the Rebel Alliance. And it's the first time that they, instead of having the Rebel Alliance look like the altruistic, good guys, benevolent, everything like that, you start to see that, they're more of like a gorilla piece together out of like these certain cells of like gorillas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They distance themselves from ones that are too extreme, but you start to see the shady shit that they have to do as part of like spying. They have to like kill people and terrorist attacks and all that kind of stuff. And Andor is about this character that is like, when it comes to stealing the Death Star plans, he's the one that they send out like their top man. And, the series is takes place. He die. Spoiler alert. He dies in Rogue One, 
but the series takes place with him before he joined the Rebel Alliance and how he gets in, introduced. Mm. But what's crazy about it and why it's so interesting, and I can see why maybe some people that like another aspect of Star Wars, like the Jedi and all that stuff, it might not be their cup of tea, but this actually kind of showed you, it was almost like a Tom Clancy, like a Jack Ryan, like cloak and dagger type shit. Like you get to see like people that are prominent within like the empire, the newly formed empire, but you get to see them like actually being like rebel operatives and like people that are in positions of power, like senators, like funding, like rebellion activities. And there's this, my favorite character and it isn't actually the guy Andor, Cassian Andor. It's this guy, um, uh, his name is something Rael, but he's basically the guy that is operating this like large portion of like the rebel cells that will eventually go on to become the rebel Alliance. And he plans like, uh, uh, military outpost robbery for all of this money to secure funds to then fund other rebel activity and everything plans these jobs. And it also involves like what the empire has formed is like their CIA and you get to almost see like a J Edgar Hoover type deal with it where they're not even worried about rights or anything like that. They're spying on everybody. They're gathering information on everything to try to st- snuff out any type of like dissent. And it's just this weird, like part of the movies that have never been explored but that once they start talking about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that you're watching it like that would have to make perfect sense. Like, of course, all this stuff is happening behind the scenes. It's not just like, we're the rebels, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we're don't shoot us with the Death Star. It's like, no, like you probably had to kill some people and like hush some people up to mm. keep from being discovered. And how did you get your ships? Like, where'd you get the money from? Like, is it just rich people? Like. That is sort of a cool way to go about it, because uh, Kind of what I'm gathering from what you're saying is there's still parts from the movies that they hold true in the series. There's no fantastical elements to it, really. You know how, like, the Jedi, the lightsabers, that kind of Mm -hmm. seems force powers? That all does seem kind of, like, fantastical or magical. Mm -hmm. This is, like, strictly, like, bare bones. Like, if we were in the future and we were in space, it would be, like, how things are operating. Like, there would be space pirates. There would be, you know, people planning, like, coups and like rebellions and stuff like that it's just crazy to see kind of like because you know how stuff turned out it's weird seeing like the seedy like dirty part of it that built it but it still builds into what happens in the movie yeah which i think is a really smart thing we've seen weird kind of like a series that may not get renewed for its last season so Mm kind of like breaking bad breaking bad throwing out el camino was just sort of like a, hey, we need to tie an extra bow on this, even though I think they probably ended a series better than most series have ever ended. I don't think they needed to even do that. I'm not sure why they did El Camino, because the series felt like it ended yeah, like... Uh, the right way. You yeah, didn't know they, about Jesse too much. I you think, know he's still alive. Yeah, like I think they they fell into this weird trap that people loved it so much that they were like, they love it so much. Do we give them just a little bit more mm-hmm. and they risk that it's not tarnishing because they didn't do like a whole other season that just went downhill the whole mm-hmm. time and then ended it poorly. You could technically not watch El Camino and the series stands up and is perfect. Perfectly and, but fine. you don't, nothing gets added, nothing gets taken away. But I think they fell into that weird, you know, pitfall of being like, Oh, did they want more? But maybe they, People didn't know what they wanted. And they, we could sell this to Netflix yeah. for $80 million. I think, though, with this model of already knowing... <laughs> what you looking for? 
Magic pen? Yeah. Keep talking. Uh, with the way that this played out, it feels like already knowing what happens in the movie, that they can almost just continue to add more and more. But I also think that it's a brilliant strategy because even if you weren't really big into the movies, but as soon as you're able to bring people in with the series, then as soon as they see the series, it's just going to build more and more of a fan base that's going to want to go see the movies and make more money. Like it's a, it's almost like a cheat code to get more sales going to people watching your movies. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just a kind of a fun concept to, to play around with and think of like, how are we going to build in more of a younger fan base? Well, things are looking more towards going to series and streaming. So if we can build a fan base that way, instead of old movies, it's just going to pay off. All right. So what do we now have as our new worst person? It's going to be fun. Worst person is going to be a lot of fun. These, these will go a little bit quicker. I think. I think they're more self-explanatory. These are pretty well-known why these people are going to be nominated and winning this award. There's not going to be a lot of good and bad debate with these. Um, Let's just take five and we can cut it. Just find your pen. All right. We'll be right back. (laughs) Where's Leslie? All right. I literally found it three seconds after I just paused that. But we're we're leaving it in. It's part of the charm. These are the perils to, to doing podcasts the way we do them. All right. So worst person, we, man. Worst person, I feel like, is going to be a fun, kind of a shit session. Let's just go with the third place. I, I think we're in agreement it's Amber Heard in third, right? Amber Heard in third. I would say that it's almost like a double, because for as terrible as Amber Heard looked the entire trial, which I didn't follow kind of more than just on the peripherals, but they... Her and Johnny Depp are just two bad people. I think we can just all agree on that. It was a, a very bad relationship. Amber Heard may have ratcheted it up more, and obviously she oh, that's, lost the that's case. Why he, so. That's why he looked better. It's, yeah. It was looking better in comparison. It's not like if if he hadn't done anything, he wouldn't have even been in that courtroom. The, it, even before the court case started, mm-hmm. like the picture of his nightstand that looked very oddly staged with the lines of cocaine and the whiskey and everything set out. Like, he might be a creature of habit. He likes structure. Well, and here's the thing be. is we're not saying that Johnny Depp isn't a great person. We're just saying in comparison and during that specific event, he ended up being the winner. The less and then, person. Exactly. So Amber, <laughs> what does Amber like to do? I mean, she pooped in the bed. Crazy move. Her dog got stung by a bee. I think the hardest part of me to have to come to this conclusion, I think her first big movie was like Never Back Down. Oh, yeah. And she was smoking hot Baja. in that. And for as dumb of a movie as that was, great watch. Very good watch. I'm trying to figure out how did she, what was she in next that like it was with Johnny Depp and that's how they met each other. I'm assuming if it's Johnny Depp, it's Rum some Diaries, type. Diaries, maybe? I was going to say, is it some type of cocaine movie? Uh, she wasn't in Blow. No, I know she wasn't. What she I'm was saying is, like was Rum Diaries. I'm Blow. assuming there was some cocaine in Rum Diaries. It had to be. He was a writer, yeah. right? Uh, there I were diaries. Uh, Johnny Depp kind of falls in my Tom Cruise category. He's just, there's too much of him. He's he's too much of a character. Even outside. There's no normal, like Tom Cruise is a character too. Yeah. Inside it, and outside. It, a real life of, character. It's hard to tell yeah. the difference. Yeah. So, 
We shouldn't have to go too far into Amber Heard. I mean, the trial was everywhere. So, and then after the trial, uh, her interviews were just god awful. Like, oh yeah, she's a better actor on screen than she is off screen. Oh yeah, <laughs> you'd think somebody that acts for a living could give a little bit better mm-hmm. interview. All right, in second place, and it was hard. I mean, it was and it wasn't hard to choose between these two, but we got Elon in second. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, Elon Musk for whatever he's doing for the space program. And I think he built like tubes or something like that in London. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't even know if he's whatever. fully done that. No, I don't even think that. I think that was something he was trying to do. Like at a, in a section of LA was like that hyperloop or whatever it was called. But he also does shit that I, I think he does have Asperger's, but I think that there's more at work than just that because he's found himself in kerfuffles. Like the shit where those, uh, I think it was in Thailand that soccer team got caught in that cave. Mm -hmm. And Elon's like, oh, I'll just build a submarine that'll float underneath everything and it'll be able to rescue the kids and all that. Mm -hmm. And then that super diver comes in and saves all those kids. And he's like, yeah, well, you should have sent it over there before I got there. And then Elon calls him like a stupid pedo guy. Mm -hmm. Like, Like he's some kind of pervert that's trying to have sex with these kids in this cave. Just He finds himself in these situations where it's like, just stop. I think... And of course, like this person has, it's like we, you know, we were talking about how if you're good at something, sometimes what happened is you do have like a percentage of power within your brain. And like, it feels like like 90% of his is whatever he specializes. I don't know if it's the physics aspect of it. I don't know what it is that he specializes something in, but whatever scientific. it is, he's able to apply it and design pretty fucking cool cars and also launch it into space. So whatever he's doing and whatever it, it applies to, it's a science that applies to both of those. He's a, uh, he owns a private company that NASA came to. It was like, Hey, yeah. we need your help because you're doing this as a private company, just as good, if not better than we are. So, Hey buddy, just stick with that. People really liked you. And when you were doing that shit, but then I think what happened is, he started to go ahead and become like not a, not a cartoon or anything like that, but he started to become famous. And I don't think that he has enough. He, you know, instead of that 10%, that, that didn't know how, yeah, that didn't know how to react to it. That 10%, like the social skills weren't there. He was like, Oh, these people like all love me. Maybe they hate me. I'm going to be a troll now. And it's not just the whole point of like, him buying Twitter and all that kind of stuff. He's fine to do like Twitter's a, a you know, private company. It can do whatever the fuck it wants. Don't and, use Twitter. And like, it was a hellhole before since he's taken over, it's only become more of a hellhole. But yeah. And here's it, the he thing. He wasn't starting out with something great and then making it better. But here's the thing too, is like, man, you could, you were on pace to essentially use your gifts and your intelligence to really like make a difference in humanity. Had you stayed with that? But you fucking got distracted by some shiny shit, and now you're just trying to, like, play the villain, the full heel about it. Like, we don't need a real-life fucking supervillain on this planet. You don't need to be Lex fucking Luthor. Please go back to doing what you're doing and use that for something that could, you know, you could live on forever in a positive light for, you know, doing good for mankind. Oh, yeah. And instead, you're just like, um, I'm going to go ahead and buy Twitter, and then I'm just going to basically post dumb shit on it and try to troll people. And I, I don't know what, what the play is there. He, it's like he tried to turn Twitter into his own stand up form. I think part of it was the fact that 
he has a certain weird following of like smart people and then people that want to feel smart by following Yes, Elon. by following Elon. And if you are interested in Elon, by some type of association, you must also be an intellectual. It, yeah, so people think that way and feel that way. They cape for him. They protect him. But it's like he bought Twitter to silence the people that didn't like him as much, I yeah. feel like. And then also partially to like try to hone a stand-up act because he wanted to be liked by everybody Mm-hmm. trying to be funny. Yeah. Like that whole thing when Chappelle brought him up on stage pretty recently and he got pretty booed. Yeah, no shit. You, People don't like him. You have to be able to understand there has to be some sort of social intelligence in your mind where you're just like, hey, this isn't working. So maybe I don't do it. Why am I forcing myself onto these people? This when isn't did, my lane. Yeah, like when did people like me most? Maybe I'll just go back to doing that. Yeah, just go back to making moderately priced, I think, yeah. for electric cars. Yeah. And, you know, take a jab here or there. Make an intelligent joke, something like that. Mm-hmm. Don't get into politics. Don't get into social yeah. issues. Like, just fucking... just Get I, us to fucking Mars, dude. Yeah. Get us yeah. to fucking Mars. If you really want to be loved by everybody, fucking get us to Mars. Mm-hmm. Put a, a space station resort up in space that only rich people will be able be to go to. Be the Walt fucking Disney. Yeah. Less... less uh, Hating Jews, but yeah, yes, absolutely. But you get, I, I meant the like the <laughs> intellectual pioneer type thing. All right, moving on. Well, actually, not moving on. No, yeah, we're walking <laughs> right into it again. <laughs> Just walked ass backwards right into that. <laughs> Just walked right up on stage, ass backward, grabbed it from Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, this it, was, it's not I, even surprising. Now, this was a consensus. I think this one is probably on everybody's list. But uh, Kanye, did you see? Yeah, did you see Kanye's um, his new logo for his fashion line? He's starting one himself. You did not see this yet. Uh. Uh-uh. Are you fucking Does kidding it look me? Like swastika. Here, take a look at that. That's yeah. That's that's swastika. That's ye that's, and a yeah, swastika. That's, a, that's fucking swastika. That's a. That is. <laughs> oh that God. is. That cannot be mistaken for anything but a, a swastika. So yeah, it's the E24 merch. What a wild! Go ahead and, and uh, look that up. Google that. So that should actually be even alone by itself, right there. Should easily, you know, explain why we chose him as the worst person. But what's the what's the play here? Because at some point, getting off your medication isn't an excuse anymore. Are we seeing? <laughs> are him and Antonio Brown? Doing the same ayahuasca or well, like you mean a bad batch or something? The president of Donda Academy, Antonio Brown. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. He he worked uh, works, I guess the school shut down now, but he worked for Kanye. They're, oh, they're no, boys. it shut down. Oh. This is a very, the man that's held up in his house for like the last 25 days on a warrant with the police outside the house. That was your president of Donda Academy. Have they at this point, do you know, Kanye has been like missing, right? Have they located him at this point? Uh, I don't. I, I, I haven't even heard that he's missing. I would assume that he, December thirtieth. We just we just Google that. Everybody, I think he hit a wall finally, and there was a funny thing that happened where originally, like if you listen to a lot of Kanye's albums, he talks a lot about sort of subjects that he's really trying to push now. But at the same time, he also rebels against a lot of the same stuff in his older music. And once Donda died, once his mom died, I think things started to get a little pear shape for him. This is this. It's the Michael Jackson thing. 
It's just, it's a different thing. He's a fucking Nazi and He's Michael a, Jackson a, a was diagnosed bipolar kids. that refuses to take his medicine and he refuses to take his medicine because he doesn't want to say it, but he's going to imply it. Then he's going to say that the doctor was Jewish, which don't know if he was or not. Don't think that that plays into any role of a, a psychologist prescribing medicine for bipolar. Like you weren't diagnosed cause the guy was Jewish and he's like, ah, I got to figure out how to shut this guy down. That's just, what you are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a wild move, but go it, get a second opinion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if go that, find a non-Jewish psychologist to get a second opinion from bet you. It's not going to be much different. The collapse has been fast and spectacular. And I, I and I get, okay. I don't get it. That's I, I don't just the simple fact that like, it's the separation of the music from the individual. But at what point, does the individual do something so bad that the music doesn't can't get separated? Well, the music's gotten worse too. No, no, no. I'm saying like even just any like because you know yeah Michael Jackson was fucking diddling kids from early on, but does that mean what happens when you listen to Jackson Five? ABC One Two Three is a fucking awesome song. Uh, thriller, Smooth Criminal. Just uh, the man was an artist. They he kind of has a reverse Snoop Dogg going on. Because I don't know if it was really something that everybody... I'm sure back in the day they knew, but Snoop was on the hook for a murder before he really like became what he was. I did not know that. So he he, he kind of... Calvin, come on. Yeah. <laughs> he built his life up, whereas Kanye and kind of the ilk like him, they have a phenomenal catalog, and then something goes wrong for them, and they immediately... I don't know if it's like a god complex, or like it's how much can I get away hear, with? It's because you don't hear no. No one is around you. <clears throat> no one is around you saying no. You think Antonio Brown is ever saying no to anything? Mm-mm. No, not even when Except he, take a seat on the bench? Yeah. Except for when he runs out of stadiums, or when some lady tells him no, she doesn't want to see his penis in a, a pool, and then whips it out. He probably should have been closer on this list. God damn it, yeah. I feel like him and Amber could have been sharing that that spot. Yeah. Yeah, let's put him up there, too. All right, honorable mention, yep. Antonio Brown. But Kanye's big kind of funny thing that happened was when he first kind of spoke out, he mentioned some different things, like uh, Ice Cube was kind of a, he spoke a lot about Louis Farrakhan back in the day. He was in a lot of his, his songs and different things like that. Farrakhan is a, a noted anti-Semite, uh, a Nation of Islam member who I, I don't really know. I don't have a personal opinion on him, but he said some pretty bad things about the Jews. And so Kanye points to Cube and Cube's like, yep, didn't say any of this right now. Um, that was my thoughts back then. Just keep me out of your mouth. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to support you. You're a part of the rap community. He's like, yeah, 100 feet away. Just stay mm-hmm. away from me. I think that there was a little bit, I'm, I'm not going to speak for the black community being very white, but I, I think that there was a little bit of like, they had so much invested in Kanye and saw themselves kind of in his image mm-hmm. a little bit of being a black man that's overcome. So he still had a little bit of that support. And then he had a sect of the white population who maybe is uh, more right-leaning a little bit, who would support his freedom of speech to say the things that he wanted to say, pinning it in that issue. And then we see the culmination of everybody just being like, eh, probably enough. And that was that beautiful Alex Jones interview that he did with that mask on. And Do you think he does that to try to make any claim that it's not him if it ever came down to it? Uh, I think it's a big daddy situation. I think it's a Frankenstein in the glasses okay. type deal. I think it makes him feel more comfortable having his face covered. And that's just 
a little Was bit. Was that of, a big daddy reference? Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I, he just, I, I think it's like a comfort thing for him. But in that interview, when he makes the biggest shock jock of our generation, maybe even the world ever, like he, he Alex Jones is a dude that's just out there, out there. He may end up in history books somehow. God, I hope not. <laughs> Even in, in a negative way. God, I hope not. But yeah, when you make Alex Jones be like, oh, I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty crazy shit you're saying, Kanye. Yeah, let's get no, he's in InfoWars supporting Hitler the Nazi party. When you have to make InfoWars say, we don't support this person's statement. And keep up the fight. You said some shit. And for him to say that he believes that everybody, it's, he had such an odd message of like saying everybody, there's good in everybody and everybody does something to impact this world. And that he loves everyone has redeeming qualities or some shit like that. Or I don't know. Yeah, You just, uh, there's just some people that are redeemable and Hitler is definitely the age man's definitely up there on that list. Very high, if not numero uno. And for him to be like, he did some things and then to just reach two knuckles deep into his own ass and say that he invented highways and the microphone two of the most easily disputable. Like you can figure that out in like three seconds of Google to just say that and be like, yeah, Hitler invented the microphone. It's like, well, he got his message out by microphone. So there's a good chance he probably didn't invent the microphone. And then I'm like, not able to be loud enough <laughs> yeah. to invent something to make sure that my hate speech can be heard across the land. It's just such a wild thing to say. They just be like, I love Hitler. It's like, I'm not, yeah, kind right. of not thinking Hitler for this thing I'm talking into right now. No, and all the freedom of speech people that were on his side were just like, ugh, he's, he needs help. We need to quit giving him a platform to speak. It's like, freedom of speech. You, you want the freedom of speech. Keep giving him the platform. Let's no, see what no. else he comes up with. But I don't even know if you meant to go as hard as he did. And now seeing his fashion uh, label, he might have. Oh, he's steering right into it. Yeah, I don't even know how far into it he really was before it started gaining traction. And then I think he's like, oh, let's see how far I can take this. And then it went too far. But I seeing that, I, I think he's in. I think he's there. I'd be curious to know how much those are going to cost and what country they're going to be made mm-hmm. in. All right, so congratulations. You are the worst person of the year. Yeah, great job, Kanye. Good All, all right, shocking moment, 2022. This is where we get into some fun. Okay. do I, I want to do the one you have listed third. I want to do that as second place. Okay. So it, you're going to have to explain this one to me because I am completely um, out of the loop on how Vin Diesel was able to tweet Brittany Griner home. So... They've made, what, 10 Fast and the Furious movies? I believe so. I Something believe like we're that. at Fast. Yeah, I think so. There, there are plans for more. If we know All you thing, Fast fans, <laughs> don't worry. If we know one thing about Dom Toretto, it's that family is everything, and he's always going to save the day somehow. And I think they're planning for the future because they're just going to end up using their kids. For these oh, movies, really? like, no, 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 like the well, yeah, I'm sure when it's fast 42, it's not going to be Don Toretto <laughs> Might trying be. to escape the fucking retirement home. Uh, he's got NOS on his wheelchair, <laughs> yeah, some shit like that. <laughs> so, obviously, that it's Brian Jr. <laughs> Don't do that to Paul Walker's character, please. No, no, that would be so bad. Let him rest. His brother having to step in to finish the one that he died during, bad enough. That's enough, but we we know. 
that the whole Brittany Griner saga has played out for basically the whole year. A WNBA player that doesn't get paid enough in America, so in the offseason she has to go over and play in Russia. I think she makes a fairly decent bag over there. I think it's about a million bucks a year, and I think she's making about 270 in America. So uh, on her way back through, uh, obviously, i got to quit saying obviously, uh, at this point Russia has invaded um, Ukraine. Ukraine. And so the tensions are very, very high. Griner's coming back over to America. They stop her. They search her bag. They find, I want to say it was like less than a gram of THC oil. So was it like a cart? Yeah, less than a cart's worth, but it was multiple pens, I think. So there again, if you snuck them into Russia, that's a great move. I'm not here to persecute Brittany Griner for anything. I think that it was very unfair what happened to her. But it's a crazy move bringing drugs into Russia and then trying to get them back out. If you're flying back to a place where it's legal, you're not going to need them on the plane. Yeah, I have. Uh, it, and it's not It's not that I don't think that she should have been detained or anything like mm-hmm. that. What I'm saying is, like, you have to be smart enough that if you're going to be traveling over there, and I understand, like... it. I could go into the listings of she has, you know, anxiety, she's away from home. It's it is medicine. Oh yeah. Everything like that. Or she just likes smoke. I fucking like to smoke. I'm not gonna judge her for that. What I'm saying is if you go somewhere out of country where they have strict laws against it, there's places where if you show your feet, they'll fucking cut off your hands. Like understand that like you're going somewhere that isn't the fucking US. And like you said, you got lucky enough to get that shit in. You're flying back to where there's a ton of it. Like Throw it the fuck away. It's a crazy move. Especially, I, I don't think uh, six eight African-American lesbian basketball players are a dime a dozen over there. So they're probably already going to be looking to pick you out going through security. Especially if tensions are already high. Yeah. You're gonna yeah be they like, know you're American because you're, you look American. You've been randomly selected. Well, step over here. We're going to need to very thoroughly search this bag that you probably flew through with. But Okay, so explain the Vin Diesel thing. <laughs> so... I, she's over there. America has been trying a prisoner swap, everything else. Um, we're going to go ahead and fast forward to, I believe it was November 22nd, uh, right around November 20th. And Vin Diesel goes ahead and posts on Instagram. It says, it's a picture of him holding his thumb up at a Lakers game after him and Anthony Davis just dapped up. And it says, I need Brittany Griner home before Christmas. As simple as that. That's that's the message that gets sent out. Dom Toretto, Vin Diesel, we need Brittany Griner home by Christmas. And lo and behold, I believe it was like December 8th, so we're talking a matter of 18, 20-ish days, somewhere around there. We finally get the prisoner swap. Brittany Griner's brought back to America. America, the U.S., the presidency, the White House, FBI, CIA, everybody that was in on this, had a whole year to make this happen. And I'm willing to say that Pootie Poot might have seen Vin Diesel's tweet or his Instagram post, but like shit, I can fight the American government. I can't fight the whole cast of fast and the furious. We need to make this prisoner swap happen. I need to get Brittany Grenner home. So Vin Diesel stays off my ass. I feel like you snuck this one in because I was <laughs> ignorant to what this meant. <laughs> We're going to move on to the second one. What are you talking about? That's a great story. It is a great story. And I, honestly, I I hope you tell it I'm often. Sh- I'm shocked. I'm 
visibly shocked that Vin Diesel can get that much work done over everybody else that was trying to make it happen. Well, he has made ten Fast and the Furious movies, so if you <sighs> can make possible. if you can carry a franchise through ten movies, I don't even think I don't even think any of the James Bonds made it. I don't even think Sean Connery no. or Roger Moore made it ten movies. No. Five, six, he has power. He is. All right. A very recent, recent event. This one snuck in under the belt. Yes. And I'm glad it did. We got fucking Greta Thunberg getting Andrew Tate arrested. (laughs) The there's so much to this, and yet it all happened so quickly. So for those of you that are not familiar, Greta Thunberg, 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 is a, she's like 18 or 19 right now. she's 19 now. Okay, she's a climate activist. And what country is Sweden? She seems some Scandinavian. Gotta be Scandinavian. Something like that. Um, She was famous. She made headlines a few years ago, I think, because she spoke at like an international conference about global warming. Yeah, it was was some type of like global warming summit or, and... Basically just said a lot of common sense stuff. I know people are going to like have their opinions on it and everything like that. Here's the deal. You can't expect us to be on the planet Earth and change the natural ecology and expect everything to just run as it would had we not been here. So, yes, there is shit that happens. We get colder winters. We get warmer summers. It does happen. I'm not saying it's happening as rapidly. It might be happening as rapidly. I actually do believe in global warming. So, And it's not even global warming. It's just climate change in general because it's not just shit getting hotter. It's the stuff that we see in Buffalo where they're having record snowfall. It's yes. just a super blizzard that nobody saw coming yes. that hadn't happened in Well, so and I long. think that's what's happened at this point is we realize that it's both ways. And so people are like, well, you used to call it global warming and it gets cold enough to you. Like, well, that's just using the wrong term. It's now mm-hmm. climate change. But anyway, so that's what she's famous for. So I don't scary know how the, girl. I'm not scared of many people on this planet. She seems to know her shit. That's the I think the and she would just yell at you and you'd be like, yes, yes yeah, okay. she's a, a yeah, scary, it's getting hotter, scary so, lady. And for those of you that aren't familiar, Andrew Tate or Cobra Tate, um, this guy's just a fucking clown, and basically he was a like lower tier amateur kickboxer, some shit, and he got famous by doing something. And then he opened this player's university to teach men how to be alpha males and how to get women and make women subservient. I'm trying to do an Andrew Tate voice because I've heard him talk. He's basically a fucking clown. And he probably has a small dick. The male chauvinist, male chauvinist. Yes. He's sort of the leader of the incels, it feels like. Yes. And so for some reason, they... does he? I'm assuming he tweeted at her. I don't know how exactly it went, but... There was something about he tweeted to her about having like all these like 33 supercars and how many emissions they throw off and all that kind of shit. And she tweeted back and she said, really cool. Make sure you send all the details to my email. Small dick energy at, is it bite me or get lost or something? Yeah. It was just like, it, it brought to light why he was even tweeting at her. And then she replied back with a pretty boss response. Sort of, a little confusing, but uh, we get the gist of it. I don't know yeah. why she would have a small dick energy email. It was just to make but, a burn with him. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, not well done, but yeah. still, everybody got the point. So then he makes a video replying to her, oh, and beautiful. during this little video, he gets pizza delivered. The most unnecessary thing that needs to yes, happen. And, He's smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. He's in a robe. 
You don't need pizza delivered. Yeah, he has two two pizzas delivered in their boxes in front of him. And this must have been live, too. He must have been doing it initially live when they first caught on to what it was. Because apparently, what country is this? Romania. Romania. Apparently, Mr. Andrew Tate has a warrant in Romania for sex trafficking. So, after taking a look at these pizza boxes which it shows very clearly the name of the pizzeria and I believe the address if you zoomed in enough with the location that it was delivered from. I don't know if it was the address. I know that the pizza chain only existed in Romania and then they were able to figure out the area. Some weirdly American name like Little Joey's or some shit. Yeah, it sounded 100% American. And I don't know because it's all alleged, but being a sex trafficker here in America seems like it's pretty along the books of what you would think to be charged with sex trafficking in a place like Romania, which I've never been, I don't know, but it seems like like a little bit more draconian place. Oh yeah. And so to be charged with it there, they probably have some good evidence that you did some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And if you, if you guys research anything on this guy, you're going to see that this guy, he seemed, he's like an even more like, like chauvinistic, um, like Steve Bilzerian. And even Steve is kind of leaning out of that. Dave, Dan Bilzerian. I mix it up because yeah. I think... I, do you ever watch Big Mouth? Yeah. Jay Bilzerian? Uh-huh. I always mix up all the names of the brothers and everything. But anyway, so he makes this fucking video to try to burn her back and ends up letting the authorities in Romania know, hey, motherfuckers, I'm home. And they come and arrest him. <laughs> and it's him and his brother. And so he gets fucking popped. And this isn't just local police. This is like the fucking, their version of like CIA or FBI, like full body armor bringing him out. Yeah, just that. There's certain things that would cross your mind knowing that that's out there. Like being a fugitive. I don't know why in the world he's back in Romania. Like that seems like a place you just probably want to avoid. Maybe you have, maybe you're you're helping out the sex trafficking ring or whatever. Can you imagine the guy that gets the news or someone forwards him. They're like, hey, Tate's going live. And he's like, I've been working this case for so fucking long. Where's he at? And he's just watching. And he's like, that's a Romanian pizza. I know little Joey's. He's like, I know little Joey's. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, scramble the fucking troops. <laughs> We're getting this fucking pervert tonight. Of all the ways to get caught for sex trafficking. Oh, I love for, it. I uh, love it. The pizza boxes. It's just a beautiful <sighs> a chef's kiss on a just a great ending to it. I, I don't chef's know. Chef's kiss on a fucking Piece of shit. Just a, a fucking funny, funny outcome. All and right. it couldn't happen to a better person. Oh, yeah. This was very... Well deserved. Yeah. All right. And the winner of the most shocking moment should be no shock to anyone. No, it'll slap you right in the face if you're not paying attention. It's slap heard around the world. Will, what are you doing? Will. Will Oh, Oscars. you had it all, man. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Big Willie style. You had the sympathy of the nation and probably the world because we all saw what Jada did to you on that. What did they call it? Red, Red table, table talk. talk. Yeah. Where she's talking about her entanglements with her fucking son's friends, young, whatever his fucking name was or whatever <laughs> rapper. And Will's just happened to fucking sit there and take it. Okay. Not to get too far into that, but that does actually start, you know, explaining issues. Like, Will, you, why are you fucking having this conversation for on TV, man? Like, Why? Like, do you think Will gets hard being, like, humiliated? Yeah. You think it is? Yeah. Do you think it's something to where, like, he had so much, like, fame and power that no one ever told him no, and Jada finally was the one that was like, no, you ain't getting this. And he's like, this is fucking new, and I'm rock hard. And now 
that's what it is. She just debases him and it just fucking gets him just work the fuck up. She has to have the greatest puss on the planet. There's no way is that... The, what's the... You know, there's the uh, crazy hot scale. Is uh-huh. there a crazy good puss scale? So the crazier, the better the puss? I She has to set an all-time high because she's a, a very attractive lady. And I... I I have a hard time feeling bad for rich people a lot of the time, especially a guy that's as decorated as he is. But that look that became the meme on See, his See, but face, here's the thing is what he's got, money ain't going to fix. No, 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 no. There's so no that's why there's, in the world. So that's exactly why I think it's easy or easier to look at like someone like that and being like, dude, like, what has she got in? Like, what has she got on you? Or like, what does she do to you? Like, you're Will Smith. You're supposed to, you're fucking Big Willie. Yeah, you you carried the Bad Boys franchise. So getting to the uh, the event itself, as it were, at the Oscars, Chris Walk, Rock, Chris Walk, Chris Rock is up doing his thing <laughs> on stage. Chris Rock, Chris Walk. <laughs> My mouth's a little dry. He's up on stage. He's making jokes at the expense of all the fucking millionaires in the crowd. He's making Oscars jokes, but ratcheted up to Chris Rock style. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Chris Rock is still such an incredible comedian that for him to be in that position, it's just so big. Maybe a little bit low hanging fruit. Yeah. 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 I think the joke was had the, the joke itself probably fell flat and that was probably enough to let him know that it probably wasn't a great joke that it landed. But it was such a throwaway joke. Like, yes, it, it, it was. It was so. It was a forgettable joke. Yeah. So he would have just moved on to the it next one. It was not like he was going to stick on it. Had mm-hmm. it got a huge thing, he may have gone in on something related to it. But you're not going to keep chasing it if it's not pop. And it didn't seem like it gauged a huge reaction. No, he was just looking for out a little of the pop. crowd. Out of the crowd, <laughs> except for the one man. And so, if you haven't seen this, I don't know how you haven't seen the the. Re- it's been fucking everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. But so Will, as Chris is standing there, the um, I don't think they're going to be designing the stage like that anymore to where people no are actually access. sitting on the stage and everything because it seemed like a very unobstructed path. That the, stage is going to be eight feet tall next year. With a line of bouncers in front, <laughs> like some fucking security at a concert. They're going to have to take an show. elevator up to accept their awards. <laughs> Check people's IDs as they're getting ready to walk up the, the ramp. So Will walks up and it looks like it's going to be a bit like I'm, I actually kind of expected him to maybe like get Chris in a headlock and be like, Hey, don't do it again. Ha ha ha. And then walk back. And everyone, yeah. everyone would have, that would have laughed more than he actually got the pop at the joke. Hey, I, I'm going to rub the hair off your head. See how you like it. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and all Chris Rock did Jada Smith, uh, huge alopecia ac- activist act. I don't, I don't know what you'd call I don't it. Know. Not the, not the big enough. Girl. Uh, not big enough that I'd heard about it, but I'm not really, really? big into following the, the alopecia movement. Yeah, I don't know where she stands in the hierarchy of people, famous people with alopecia, mm-hmm. but I think it's fairly well known that she has it. And Chris, this isn't like it was one guy that was just picking on some no, random person. Everyone in the crowd. Yeah, and they're friends. They know mm-hmm. each other. They've known each other forever. They've been Will mega fucking, stars Will together. Will fucking laughed. Yeah. He was fucking laughing. Yeah, and for guess a second. What? Yeah, and then he looked and he was like, oh shit, I'm laughing it. So now I gotta, he's gotta pay for my laugh. And I think Chris, when he was walking up, he kind of leaned into it like he thought Will was gonna turn and get him. Yeah, no. He's like, I'll come down and meet you. We'll do a little bit and everything. Oh no. 
Will, like, did you see the picture of the still where he's, like, before the slap, he's already got the actual, the slap was performed with the right hand. Mm-hmm. He's got the left in a stabilizing position already out to the side. He widens his base so quickly. And it's not even just, like, you walk up and it's, like, you know, a slap within the length of your body. This is a wind-up. And he, he comes yeah, he in. threw the counterbalance arm out on the other side. Yes. And he throws it and just not doesn't take anything off of it. No, it, it looked like a wrestling slap up until the actual connection, and mm-hmm. there was no slapping of the hip to make the noise. It's like, whoa. Okay. He walks off. Shocking enough as that is. That could still be the most shocking moment right there. But Chris Rock tries to play it off. <laughs> Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me, and he was about ready to move on. He played it cool. And then all of a sudden, Will, did he get another look from Jada's like, not enough? Not enough for this magic puss. <laughs> yeah, it could have been it. It was either that or he finally saw the security, like the shock had worn off and they were coming to grab him. So he's like, I got to make this worth it. I got to get my money's worth. Oh, I don't think he got escorted out at all. Maybe like after the commercial break or like. He well, he also came up and got an award after that. Yeah, so I don't think he left. I think like Denzel like popped in and like kind of leaned over and is like, what the fuck are you doing? Denzel was black Switzerland and came in and <laughs> parted a piece of green. Okay, but he's so he's sitting there, and the first thing is, I like how in the audio they're not like it's not you know the sound. I'm sure they have mics and everything, but you know those parabolic dishes they use at football uh-huh. games. I'm sure there's those around because if they're looking for someone talking in the crowd and they want to try to get someone, they can probably aim those. Because uh-huh. the first "keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth," you can hear <laughs> and it sounds like an echo. Yeah. Like the sound's not pointed there. And then you can tell those sound guys are like, oh shit, it's not over. He's back. Get every fucking dish we have on this guy. And then you get Chris is basically like, it was a joke. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Will apparently believes, I, was there another glance at Jada? And she's like, again. Did he Louder. catch to be And she more just looked at him and she just gave him the thumb to like the upper volume symbol. <laughs> like the thumb going up and he's like, Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. You think he gave her the gladiator, the thumbs down, and he's like, uh, gotta, gotta finish this off. He's but- still standing. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> but god damn, like, it's, and it's not the fact that it was like, it's so many factors. Like, this guy was all, everyone felt bad for him. He's a French prince. He already got walked out on. He he already had to talk to his uncle about why his parents didn't want him. Powerful moment in French yeah. prince history and TV. You lived through that with him. You lived through every one of his movies where he plays. Growing up, biggest movie star. He was yeah. the version of The Rock is yeah. right now and has been the last 10 True. years. The 10 years before that, it was Will Smith. Had Marvel been doing shit when Will Smith was at his peak, he would have been a Marvel superhero. They would have invented a fucking Marvel superhero for Will Smith, but they couldn't find one for him. He even tried it. I don't know if I Am Legend was a superhero-style movie. It might have been based on a graphic novel. But Hancock was awful. Like He, he couldn't have played that role. I think role, he but. maybe stretched out and was like, I can make my own superhero. <laughs> he flew too nah, close to the nah, sun. Man. No, man. That was his his shot before Marvel popped off. Yeah, but like, and everyone felt bad because they're like, oh, shit, like, this guy's not only this huge movie star and everything, but his wife's fucking, like abusive toward him and everything. So not only was he this like, dude, now all of a sudden you could almost sympathy, have sympathy for me. Like, Will, like what's, what's going on? Like what broke you, dude? And then this was just like, Oh, like he's not there. Uh, uh-uh. 
He's just a fucking meat puppet with fucking Jada chip implanted in his brain. There was so much afterwards too. Like the the initial incident was crazy, mm-hmm. but the fight between people about real or fake took such a crazy turn where you had people doing like five minute explanation videos about how this was staged and about how rock went with the slap instead of taking it. Like you're not going to try to pull away once you see somebody wind up Mm -hmm. like this was all planned. And to hear people, I I'll admit like I didn't watch it and see it live, but the first time I saw the video is like, no way that had to have been a bit that was planned. Something like that. Yeah. But after like he saw a, him coming up, maybe that wasn't planned. Saw what he was about to do, and mm-hmm. then they were going to try to like play into it. Hey, they we both started movies. The shit out of this. Yeah, they both been in movies. They know what to do. I, and that's it. Yeah, you're seeing two actors on stage performing almost like a live action show. But about three days into it, once you actually saw the fallout from it and saw like there wasn't, it seemed like everybody knew that Will Smith was going to have to face some sort of punishment for what happened. And depending on how bad that punishment was, was how this was potentially staged or not. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like professional wrestling storyline come to life. Oh yeah. And once you kind of realize that there was silence around it and there wasn't like a big push for like a, they came out they said, we're against violence, all that kind of shit. Everybody said that it was a horrible moment, but once the punishment, it seemed to like kind of the day started to mount between what was going to happen. It's like, okay, this is definitely real. Like this isn't, uh, this wasn't staged. This wasn't made up. This was a real mental breakdown that we saw happen live on TV and will be played. That'll be memed for fucking 10 more years at least. And then it'll cool off and then it'll probably come back in some weird way, whatever we're doing. You almost saw like mental programming happen right there because it was literally like, Ha, 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 turn, look at my wife. And all of a sudden, I don't know if she has a flashing lights in her eyes that flash some type <laughs> of like hidden message, but he like, the lights just went off and he was just like, oh, it's Jada time now. Was anyone looking at what she was doing? Did her eyes roll back up into like her head and she was like controlling Will? She's like walking up toward Chris. Will, is that you? As he slaps, Jada. Maybe she's a fucking witch. There should have been, we should have had a separate camera on her the whole time. Every, every camera was faced towards the stage. That should have been, there should have been one guy that defied orders and went to her just to see. So we could see what was going on in the seats. Like what was her reaction when the slap happened? Was it a smile? Was it shock? Was it like, Oh my God. She was controlling him. Yeah. I'm calling it. In case you haven't noticed, like this isn't like a, a violence is bad talk. I find this to be extremely funny. I find find this to be a horrible result of mental abuse. Years. Horrible, but just the whole thing on the face is just so absurd that it's all you can do is laugh about it. Like, this is a, it's sad, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit, Will Smith, a, a childhood idol, somebody that you watched in fucking everything, just walked on stage and slapped one of the funniest men to have ever lived. Mm hmm. Like, that doesn't happen. No. That's not real life. But it was real life because it just happened. It was incredible. And uh, Chris Rock played it. Uh, to get slapped that hard. Oh, my God. I don't even want to imagine how many millions of dollars he's made off this for being able to hire tickets for his shows. Yeah. Everything. More dates. He called his manager and he goes, everything that we have a show on, book a second show that yep, next night. Exactly. And it's going to sell out immediately. Mm-hmm. And he didn't see anything from, like, the resale of his shows that he already had booked, but you know his tour got extended by at least two or three months. Oh, definitely. 
So, and to play it off through the whole rest of the show, because it wasn't like this happened at the end. Like we say, Will Smith came back on stage and got an award. Yeah. Not not a good look, Oscars. No, dude. It was just so incredible how much it played out. And that played into the fact, like, Can this you imagine fake. the people reading up the... And the winner is... Will Smith. <laughs> just someone, the fucking orchestra playing a little bit out of tune. As soon as he walks on stage, the presenter like winces, like mm-hmm. eh. holds out the envelope at arm's length. <laughs> Take it. Stores. He leans in Don't to kiss her it? cheek and she's like, oh, no. Um, uh, easily the, the winner. that uh, For 2022, kind of getting back to normal, this wasn't coronavirus shocking, but this was like, what the fuck? And this happened? isn't the most historically, again, relevant that's going to be with us through the annals of history, but don't be surprised if you hear about this for years to come. The slap is going to be known as the slap. Just that's like true. Pitch, that just is like true. Else. All right. And, and uh, see you Friday. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another episode. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe and like button. Follow us. If you didn't like what you heard, still hit that anyway, because we'll probably cover something in the future that you do like. Um, Please follow us on our social media. Adam, hit him with it. Uh, Our Instagram is historically high pod, historically high pod. And we are on Twitter at historically high. That's historically H.I. All right. And if you guys want to send in any feedback, suggestions, hit us up on those two, or you can even do it on Gmail. It's historicallyhighpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Peace.